With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Post Match Raw. Yeah, one of them. Liverpool losing deservedly so to Nottingham Forest 1-0. Um, an embarrassment of a performance as we'll get through. I am joined by the scouted lads, Dave. Uh, yeah, weekend ruined. Good start to the weekend. How are you doing? Um, I was doing well up until that absolute share of shit. Um, that is the worst performance we've seen from a Liverpool team under Jurgen Klopp. Forget result, forget the actual outcome. I know we got beaten 7-2 by Man City and there were some games in the the COVID year of 2021 um, where we had some really bad results. But performance-wise, that was an absolute disgrace. From minute one, there was no desire, no intensity, no effort. Forrest won every second ball. They won every third ball. They competed for everything. I don't even know where to begin. Jürgen got his team selection all over the place. An absolute fucking mess. Playing three kids in midfield. The arrogance of it. To put Fabinho plus three kids. And I know Curtis Jones is 21 or whatever he is. But in footballing terms, he is a kid. He has very little senior football under his belt. The two lads out wide, yeah, they've done fairly well recently. But they're kids. And that's the same type of arrogance that we saw when we went to Goodison earlier on in the season when he played Fabinho with just Harvey and Carvalho. It's unacceptable. Jürgen has to be held responsible for that today. We can all bleat on about the lack of investment and this and that and the injuries and where's the club doctor and all the rest of that shit. But the bottom line is that the performance on the pitch, the team that was put out there and the lack of ability to make changes during the game not individual changes. I'm not talking about bringing on subs. I'm talking about making a tactical switch to get things fucking rectified. Absolutely awful performance from Klopp. Awful performance from his team. And he should thank his lucky stars that Alison Becker turned down Chelsea to join us. Because if he hadn't, we'd be sitting in the bottom three right now. Jürgen has had one good performance as manager this season. That was City when he got things perfect. Everything else has been a mess. Today was a mess. And it's on him. It's on him and it will remain on him. He has to fucking fix this. Yeah. And Carl, I'm guessing how you're doing, but your overall thoughts on that horror show? 
Uh, I think it would be best if we just um, rewound the podcast and copy and pasted Dave's voice, and that's my view on it as well. That was absolute shambles. From about 20 seconds into the game, we misplaced the first pass. Nobody chased it down, and it just continued throughout the entire game. It was so, so bad. The lack of um, movement and tenacity and botheredness, efforts, pick whatever words you want. It all comes down to a lack of cohesion and a lack of um, real planning, I think, for how to attack this match. It was evident right from the start. It didn't change at all. I mean, the fact that we were scrabbling and hoping that one of our late set pieces would turn into a decent um, chance or or effort on goal, I think, says a lot. Uh, I think, I mean, I've said... A few times already, I, I don't want to see Carvalho and Elliot playing in the same team from the start together. And I think we saw a pretty good reason of why today, individually, they're fine on the ball. Carvalho is decent at this level. Carvalho is not ready. I'm sorry, he's just not. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be being relied on as much as he is right now. It's not his fault. You know, he's a he's a child. He shouldn't be requested to put in this level of performance, and he can't. Not in a team which isn't functioning already. Not when there are players around him who, one of them was making a first start of the season. One of them in Fabinho has actually yet to make a decent start this season, apart from Man City, uh, and obviously early on the opposite side. So it was horrible start to finish today. I didn't like it in the slightest. You can pick out a couple of individual little bits, and maybe we will. We'll speak, you know, for a little bit of promise about a few things, but even they are few and far between, and not really what we want them to be going forward anyway. I mean, like, like I said, we'll, we'll speak on them a little bit more. And I think there's a good bit to speak about Curtis Jones, for example, getting through 90 minutes on his first start. Fair play to him. Barely misplaced a, par- a pass. Fair play to him. Centre midfield and a double pivot. It's not where he belongs. It's not what his role is. He did all right, I think, in terms of what he is capable of doing. But is that a top four midfield? Let alone anything else that we want to be challenging for. Is that a top four midfield? Jones, an out of form Fabinho, Elliot and Carvalho, who we signed this summer as one for the future. It's absolutely not. Check I mean, top four, Carl, that's not the top half midfield. No. Uh, well, look, it's just been beaten by a team in the bottom. Um, At the bottom the of the bottom league. Three. A team nailed so, at the bottom of the league. And, and, that, and that's in a midfield where, in theory, obviously you line them up how you want, but we should be over, overworking them and outnumbering them and able to play around them because we have four across that line as opposed to their three. That midfield was an absolute atrocity. Yeah, and, and Dave, I mean, I, I won't, I won't do the usual crack of going through the team and stuff like that because we all know what the team is. It was a fucking shit show. I think as soon as everyone saw the team, everyone was like, "What the fuck are we doing?" Ear infection for Tiago, maybe the most injury-prone thing I've ever heard in my life. Apparently, Nunes or Darwin could have been fit if the game was tomorrow, but not available today. So I'm guessing his hamstring was hanging on for dear life. Um, but just like we got, we got into the midfield. Carl listed there. Trent obviously just come back from injury. But why isn't he playing? If we need an elder statesman in midfield, put Milner there. If Henderson can't play, put or just play Henderson and bring on the kids. Secure some sort of footing in the game. It's just like you can't play that midfield and be Liverpool Football Club. This is not two thousand eleven anymore. This is a fucking joke. Like. Jones, I'm not a fan of him. I know Carl is. I'm not sure what your thoughts on him, but he doesn't look Liverpool ready. I agree with the Carvalho point. He's not Liverpool ready. And Elliot, 
he might be if we were playing really well he could be something like a cherry on top of the cake type thing but I know we've got injuries all that jazz but why are we relying on these people how's it got to that stage already it's fucking not it's, it's the end of October what the fuck well that's the thing it's the end of October and that's the team we're putting out I said in the summer if James Milner starts a single Premier League game the summer was a failure he's now started I think five this season it's October and we're starting Curtis Jones in his first start of the season in a position he's never played before. Like, Curtis Jones has never played for us in a double pivot before in the Premier League. So what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? As Carl said, Fabinho is out of form at the minute. He was really good against City. He was absolutely awful against West Ham. Before that, it was... a complete mixed bag. You, you just didn't know what you were going to get from him. Like, I, I just don't understand how we find ourselves in this position. I don't understand how there was people in the summer arguing that we didn't need midfield reinforcement. I really don't understand how anybody could have looked at our squad in the summer and thought, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, I get we got to, you know, within a point of the title last season. Congrats. Did we get a winner's medal? No. Oh, we got to the Champions League final. Oh, brilliant. Did we win? Oh, no, we didn't win that either. Oh, well, that's great. So you're telling me we won two domestic cups that most years the manager of the football club has just written off. Like, it's completely unacceptable that in October of a season, this is what we're left with. I, and, you know, we can all look at everybody. We can look at the owners. We have to look at the manager. We have to ask questions of Julian Ward. We yeah. have to wonder how much of this is to do with why Michael Edwards decided to leave the club. Did he see this coming? Because my guess is that he did. But when you're going into a Premier League football match, away from home, against a team who are scrapping for absolutely everything, who have to try and get every single point that they can. And that's the team you're putting out. When you do have other options, let's not pretend this is all Klopp could have done today. He could have started Trent in midfield if he didn't want to start him at right back. He could have started Trent on the right side of midfield. He could have started mm -hmm. Basetic, who's at least a central midfielder. Now, I wouldn't be playing him either because, again, he is a child. But as Carl said, like, Fabio Carvalho is a kid. And he looks like a kid. And it's the same thing with Harvey. These are children. And we're playing them in important games that we need to be winning. I mean, we went into this weekend with a chance to go fifth. Which, given the start we've had, would have been a really good outcome for us. And now we're staring at a situation where we could very easily end the weekend in 10th. Like, it's just completely unacceptable. And you look at that midfield, you've got Fabio Carvalho playing left wing. Before today, 522 minutes of Premier League football to his name. 522. That's, mm -hmm. what, four and a half games? Five and a half games? Five and a half games. Nearly six games. No. Yeah, nearly six games. You've got Harvey Elliott, 1,028 Premier League minutes 
to his name. So between them, if my maths is right, that's 1,550 minutes between the two, the two of them. Then you've got Curtis Jones, who, again, before today, you're looking at roughly 2,100 minutes. So that's 3,600 minutes, give or take, between them. That's one season, basically, for a normal grown-up player in the Premier League. One season between three players. Knowing you've got an out-of-form Fabinho, you're putting him in midfield with children. Yeah. Like, uh, But I, like, I don't think an in-form Fabinho could have covered the ground. Nobody could have covered a guy. Nobody. Mm. Like, Curtis... I'm sorry, Carl, I disagree. He's so weak in possession. He got bundled off the ball a number of times. He was so slow to release the ball every single time he got it. Everything was so slow and so laboured. And it's not his fault. It's not Curtis's fault. The kid had played 33 minutes before today, this season. And he's a child in footballing terms. He's played in and around 2,000, you could maybe say 2,100 minutes in his career in the Premier League. Like, there's lads his age that have just played so much more football and you'd wonder why is it that Curtis doesn't get the same number of games? Like, I know he's had some injuries, but Curtis is, if if memory serves, he's... About the same age, maybe a little bit older than Jacob Ramsey. But like, yeah. look how much football Jacob Ramsey's played in the last eighteen months. I think he's a year. I think Curtis is a year younger than Mason Mount in that age group. I think, isn't he? And it's it's, yeah, night, it's night and day. I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even look at Morgan Gibbs White. He's a year older than Curtis. And look at the difference in him when he receives the ball. Look at the maturity. Look at the confidence he plays with. Uh, Jacob Ramsey. In the Premier League, in the last season and this so far, has played in and around 3,400 minutes. He's the same age as Curtis, and he's played 1,200 minutes more. And Curtis made his Premier League debut two seasons before him. We're not developing these players. Mm. Having them as part of the squad is not developing them. These kids need to go on loan and play for other clubs that are more suited to their current level of ability. And maybe, maybe in two years, Fabio Carvalho's Liverpool level. Maybe Harvey Elliott has Liverpool level. Maybe Curtis Jones' Liverpool level. None of them are close to what's required right now. None of them. Like, it's all well and good saying, oh, well, you know, when we were winning this and we're... Great, because everyone else was playing well and you can carry one or two. But when the shit hits the fan and nobody's playing well, you can't expect these young lads to turn up. You just can't. Jacob Ramsey has more Premier League minutes than, well, almost as many minutes, rather, as three of our midfielders who started together. Like, for fuck's sake. And we go on like these are Gavi, Pedri and fucking Busquets, the way some people talk about them. 
including the manager. Oh, we've got eight midfielders. Wait till I list them off. This injury-prone player, this injury-prone player, this child, this injury-prone player, this child, this child, this fella whose years passed his best, this fella whose years passed his best, and Fabinho. And, and that's our midfield. That's our midfield. Kids and Crocs and Fabinho. That's what we've got. Oh, for fuck's sake. I think you wanted to jump in there, Carl. You were muted five minutes ago. <laughs> oh dear, no. I was going to obviously speak about Jones a little bit yeah. as well, but do you know what? There's it, the, what I'm going to say there is going to be a theme throughout the podcast. So let's roll on with the match, and I'll bring it up at very, very many points. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, I'll go through the Forest team just for for the point of the podcast, but we know the Liverpool one. Um, Dean Henderson in goal, Serge Aurier, Steve Cook, McKenna, Nico Williams at left back. The midfield that absolutely batters us in Ryan Yates, Froehler and Czech, man, man of the match, Czech, well should have been man of the match, Czech Kuyate, um Gibbs White, Iwani who bullied us and Jesse Lingard, thank fuck he didn't score. I couldn't have dealt with that prick doing a celebration from Fortnite. Um, good lord. Um <sighs> Yeah, it's just a t- it's a team of men. I think that's the point we've made here. That our team was basically half children and old people that are made out of Pringles, whereas theirs, as you've all both you've both alluded to, they're fighting for every point. Um, midfield's mature, Premier League ready. Kiyat has been in the league for years now. Freuler's been in Serie A for years. Um, yeah, whatever. At the start of the game, Carl, you mentioned we started off sloppily, but I think the first chance does land for us. It's it's uh, Elliot passing to Carvalho. Takes a nice touch, but hits it straight at Dean Henderson. Probably should have scored. Um, corner, we should have scored. That's a fucking a theme of the, pod, uh, of the game. We just didn't figure out how to score with our head today. Um, but... From what all we just said there, Carl, we could have been 2-0 up in the early stages game and it may have been a different story. The issues may have still been there, but if we take a couple of chances, it may have just alleviated some of the, the pressure. It might have done, but it wouldn't have been a very true representation of what happened, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna have chances in a game that you don't score in every single game, unless you're like either massively fortunate or massively clinical. Neither of which are sustainable. Yeah, neither of which are sustainable across the season. You're going to have chances which are good, and you don't score them, and then hopefully you create more chances and you do score them. Um, so the the Carvalho chance that you refer to there, the first really really good one. I think, as far as I can remember, that was the only time all game we had anybody running behind their defence. Possibly this is yeah. defence with McKenna who can't turn, who couldn't even keep up with people at corners he lost his man about 700 times today at set pieces so in running in behind him he's not that good at tracking either and cook who uh, I, I don't want to repeat all the things that were said about him at um on, on the scouted podcast but you know this is this is not a guy known for his mobility and pace let's say and none of the time after this Carvalho chance did anybody try and run in behind those two no nobody nobody from they- midfield neither of the forwards it, uh, they had Serge Aurier at right back. Serge Aurier, an absolute liability. And I don't know if anyone noticed that we had a, well, Carvalho had a, a semi headed chance in the first half. And, yeah, Aurier tried to punch the ball. Like he 
tried to punch the ball. He, the guy's a moron, and we didn't attack him. An unfit Serge Aurier, we should add as well. Yeah, Steve Cook is garbage. Like he is one of the three or four worst players in the Premier League, and we decided not to try and attack him at all. We had Robo Carvalho down the left, and instead we tried to build through James Milner and Harvey Elliott. Yeah, and attack the side with. Nico Williams, who isn't a great defender, but is a better defender as a fullback at left back than he is at right back, because he's more comfortable when people cut in field, which is all Harvey was going to do. And McKenna, who's not the quickest, but he is actually a decent defender. Like, I just don't understand why we didn't switch more across to the left and just get him to go and stand on Steve Cook and spin in behind him. We well, let Dave, Czech Coyote think... run the midfield. Czech Coyote! <laughs> The guy's been washed since 2017. We let him run the midfield today. Well, I think our plan for more today, Dave, was let him be marked by as many people as possible without any teammate around him. That seemed to be the, the plan with more today. I Absolutely bizarre. He was awful today. He, now, was. he did get injured in the first half, and I don't know whether that hampered him. Um, I'm not really sure how he got injured. It was weird, wasn't it? Just like... I thought he got kneed in the arse or something, and then it clearly didn't, so maybe he twisted his back or something. I'm no fucking idea. But we mentioned him midfield that day. I mean, we've had a couple of chances his first part of the game, but what was our attacking plan? You mentioned building up on the right, and that was obviously the main side we built up, but I don't think Robbo got forward once. Um, Bobby and Moore had no place, space to link up play, and when they did, it was just fucking shit anyway. But... We we saw more at his best in the last couple of games. Obviously, the City game was very different because he could he had space to operate in. But the Rangers game, he he wasn't just stuck hugging two centre backs. Like I can't believe Moore just did that and stood next to Steve Cook all game. That must be instruction. It must be. He can't be that bad. Uh, I I don't know. I really don't know. I like. I don't know what the plan was because. Robbo got the ball sort of midway into their half a few times in the first half. And rather than like slip it into the channel for Carvalho or have Carvalho come short for a give and go around the corner and try and get in behind, he just turned back and gave it back to Curtis Jones, who then turned and gave it to Fabinho, who then turned and gave it to Gomez. And we just started over again. They go back to Virgil, up to Robbo. Robbo turned back, give it to Curtis, give it to Fabinho, back to Gomez, back... On and on and on in this endless cycle of shit. And the Forest lads are just standing there going, Grand, if that's what you want to do, if you want to try and overload everything onto your right-hand side, our left-hand side, that's fine. We're going to continue to offer you this channel down here. But we're not giving up the other side. We're not letting you build where you want to build. Like, Steve Cooper had Klopp's pants down today. I'm sorry, just wasn't even... Like tactically, Cooper was just a level ahead of Klopp today. I, I I think Klopp has had an absolute nightmare tactically this season. At the point of the game where we are right now, I mean, we mentioned like the Carvalho chance. Forrest should have had two at least as good chances. Yeah. They didn't get a shot away from either of them in the end, but they had like three, four breaks where they were yeah. either three on three or four on four. Yeah. And they should have created at least a couple of shooting chances from those. We were done over and over and over and over and over and over again in the exact same way in the first half. Yeah, because they put three in midfield against our two. 
and just ran off the back of us. And our lads were just simply not up for it. Like, Fabinho's never been the most mobile. He's exceptionally slow at the minute. Jones is not the quickest. The two wingers don't want to track back. The front two aren't tracking back. And whatever people want to say about the likes of Ryan Yates or Coyate or Froiler in terms of their level, one thing they're more than happy to do is run. And they just ran off us over and over and over again. And we couldn't find Lingard. Gibbs White was having the time of his life, just picking up little pockets of space here and there and everywhere. And Tewawani is always going to make that run. No matter what, he will always make the run. And that means someone has to drop with him. So when Gomez would drop with him, Virgil had to drop with Gomez, which was opening up pockets of space behind our midfield in front of the defence. And Gibbs White and Lingard were just strolling in, picking the ball up and turning and going at us with support. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, Carl, and I, I'm sure I remember you being a fan of Taiwo. Obviously, we sold him at Union a, a few years ago, and he obviously developed well there, and that's how he's ended up back in the Premier League. But he does look like a, br- a blueprint clock forward. Like, why didn't he get a chance here? I, I think at the time, obviously, he couldn't get a work yes. permit until the rules changed. So, But the, the, the year that he left, he could have... Stayed, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the year that he could first have stayed. Uh, it was basically a choice of him or Divock Origi, wasn't it? That's what when it came down to. And, and uh, obviously Klopp was either decided to keep Origi or there were buyers for Awani and there weren't for Origi. And that's why he had to stay. I don't know which one, but I, I said at the time, I think probably on one of our pods and certainly in written stuff as well, it, it should have been Awani we kept. I don't think Awani is like, you know, Oh no, or anything like that. But he's he's a he's a good he's a good enough squad forward. He's someone who can play by himself or in a two. He's better in a two, I think. Um, but yeah, he's he's got everything that they need anyway to to try and get him involved in the build up play and get people around him. And obviously, he'll get a few goals along the way. He hasn't really had too many chances mm. at Forest so far this season to like do what he did with Union, but basically for for a lot of his goals and actually run through behind the defence one on one with the keeper that sort of thing. He's not really had too much of them. They've all been like rebounds and scuffed and bouncing in off his own legs and that sort of thing so far but there's there's more to him than we've seen so far in the Premier League yeah I'd agree I mean the limited viewing of Forrest I think they've lacked that focal point and I think I said on one of the EPL pods that him and uh, him and um, Dennis should probably be the starting two with whoever behind but well if Dennis had started today instead of Lingard they score at least twice in the first half I'd yeah I'd imagine so I'd imagine so um Finishing up the first half, we had that Salah weird injury that we said. Uh, Elliot set up Milner for a cross, and it was the slowest cross I've ever seen, but there was no one to cross to anywhere, so he gives a toss. Um, Dave Van Dyke, did he put Joel Matip's head on today for the 50p head? What the fuck was he doing? My assumption is he was trying to find Bobby, because he never once looked at the goal. He was looking at Bobby the whole time. I, I don't know what he was thinking, whether he thought he was wider than he actually was and didn't realise how central he still was, that he could have just headed the ball at the goal. I, I really don't know. But it like that is a really good cross from Milner. He finds himself unmarked at the back post. He really should do better, at least work the keeper. But I think he tries to head it back for Bobby. And Bobby, like most people, assume Virgil will head on goal given where he is and the fact there's nobody marking him. But 
it, once that happened, you sort of got the feeling like we could play all day and we're not scoring yeah. here. This is a shambles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I should mention in the first half, we obviously have the usual Hillsborough shouts from uh, Nottingham Forest fans uh, with victim stuff. As per, uh, won't be mentioned in the media, of course. Um, Kiar is not booked with with the oddest looking tackle. Could have been a red card if he connected, but hey ho, Paul Tierney. Um, but not worth talking about the ref because we were that pathetic. Um, half time. I mean, Carl, we've kind of done this quite generally because well, it deserves to be because there's not much to focus on. But we're not losing at that stage. Um, <sighs> You go in at half-time and you think, right, we've got Trent on the bench, we've got Ox on the bench. Obviously, Jones was struggling in a double pivot. We could have brought Henderson on or moved Milner or whatever. And you think they're really obvious changes. Um, is Naby Keita the only Liverpool player that's allowed to be subbed at half-time? Like, is that contractually in everyone's contract? Because I, I don't understand. Mm. I mean, Cavalio has done a couple of times this season, hasn't he? Um you could have taken your pick in that first half. Any of them could have gone off, let's be perfectly honest. Uh, right from kickoff, I think it was Gomez put two passes straight into their feet. Milner gave two passes away straight away down the right-hand side. And like I say, loads of them followed suit. Robbo wasn't really involved. Firmino had either really, really nice touches and link-up play or absolutely nothing and backheeled it to them and did nothing at all. And it was all over the place. Honestly, at halftime, this was the first game I would have been tempted to switch back to the 4-3-3. That's the only thing I, I would say mm-hmm. about what we were doing in terms of we had absolutely no build-up play. We were stupid off the ball. I really, really don't get why. And this has happened not just today, but a few times when Fabinho started recently. Fabinho is ahead of the other of the other central midfielder. Like today, Jones was behind him all the time. He was the one picking the ball up off the centre-backs. I can only assume that it is about either wanting him to have pressing the ball, or Thiago to have the mm. ball in a little bit of space yeah away from the first challenge and then try to play it through the line or because Fabinho is just unable to turn or stretch or something so you want him not to be the only one protecting the defense I assume it's one of those two things but it's very very odd but I probably today would have gone to the 4-3-3 um, and either sub Cavallo again or push him at least left side Salah back out to the right side Firmino through the middle Elliot comes in as a right side and uh, midfielder Jones on the left. It's it wouldn't have required a substitution. It would have necessitated something happening in terms of the build-up play differently because it was so slow, so predictable, so repetitive, so stodgy. No movement at all in the final third. Um, uh, it was just a horrible, horrible watch, start to finish. This. Yeah, it really was. Uh, anything on the first half you want to add? But I'm sure it'll continue into the second half anyway, Dave. No. Yeah. Uh, right, second half. Uh, we start. It looked off... windy. Can I add that? It looked windy in Nottingham. No, That's you're going to give Jürgen excuses if you start bringing wind Oh, yeah, no, but you know what? He's going to come out with some ridiculous excuse because that's what he does. He is going to come out with some sort of excuse about the wind or the length of the grass or, I don't know, the fucking corner flags. No, none of the players have been to Nottingham before, so they were lost. Yeah. Although, didn't we go there last year, actually? Or was it Anfield? I can't really remember. Who cares? Um, start off the second half, okay. Working it de- well down the right, but as we mentioned, it's Milner and Elliot, so, you know. Um, 51 minute, Salah air swings a shot on up from a wide free kick. 
penalty for Elliot question mark would have been soft, but the making it in slow mo looked more penalty ish, but probably wasn't. Um any Carl, were you gonna say something? There? I said it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. I've just noted it down because I wanted yeah, something yeah. to talk about. Um <laughs> which I will skip we over completely. Honest. Yeah. Uh right, here we are, lads. Dave. Fifty four minutes. Gomez surely must have had a lot of whiskey at half-time because I don't know how he lost the ball there. Lucky not to be sent off because Van Dijk's in position, fortunately. Um, and that free kick obviously, obviously leads to the goal as well. Yeah. Um, don't really know how Joe managed to get himself in that sort of mess. Um, these are the type of mistakes Joe Gomez makes that get people on his back. And rightly so today. I mean, that is an absolute howler. I don't know that fouling needed to be done. I, I don't know that, you know, yeah, you're absolutely. on the halfway line. Yeah, you're like, you're one of the quickest centre-backs in the league. I get that Awani is quick. I get that. But he's not quicker than you. You can match him in the 50 yards to the goal. You can get back goal side and get a challenge in. He didn't need to foul there. It was it was like he panicked. See, Awani mm-hmm. kind of started to wrestle him a little bit and got in front of him. And I Joe just seemed to get frustrated and grab at him. It was just it, it just stopped. It just stopped yeah. running and said, "No, I'm just going to hold you." It's yeah, really weird. Really, really panic. poor. It was definitely panic, I think. And like what happens after that is just a shambles. I mean, I don't understand how. Like I can understand how Steve Cook finds himself completely open out on the right wing. But you know <laughs> why would any go out there <laughs> when that ball comes into the box? Uh, all of our lads are just standing looking at it. Like nobody's attacking that ball. Nobody's throwing themselves in front of the cross to try and clear it. Nobody's trying to get a block in on the first chance that hits the post or the second chance. Like it's it's just there's something. Is the word you're looking for. <laughs> that is exactly the word. That is exactly. It's shit. It is shit. There's something very off with this squad of players right now. Like it's not just injuries because when we had players fit, it was the same. But Sam Maguire said this a while ago, and it rings through. We have built a team that requires Thiago there to make it work, and when he's not there. There's just nothing, like nothing at all. Nobody, Naby can do a, a decent impersonation. Now, he does it in a different way than Thiago, but Naby can make the, the machine splutter along rather than hum like it does with Thiago. When it's Jones, when it's Henderson, it doesn't, the, the, the key doesn't even turn in the ignition. It's just dead. And that You're putting a car key in your house at the minute. <laughs> just appalling. Yeah, uh, Carl, that goal, as Dave mentioned, it's a mess from everyone. Steve Cook finds space on the right wing, just thumps it through our entire team looking at the ball, and uh, I can't remember who had the shot that hit the post, but it falls to Taiwani. Puts it in. Um, yeah, it just summed up the day for us. Yeah, rubbish. Nobody first to it. I think Virgil stuck out a, a leg to try and like back heel it or whatever because he's facing the other way. Nobody in between 
Virgil and Gomez in a Liverpool shirt, but two or possibly three Nottingham Forest shirts. Not really sure how that happens inside the edge of the six-yard box from a set piece. Um, I have nothing to add here. This was an absolute disgraceful goal to concede start to finish. Right? Joe Gomez must have had about 10 yards of space to play that pass and about five seconds on the ball. And then he tried to turn and play it square across where the player is and then made the mistake to, to compound the initial error. Gave away the free kick. We didn't defend the first ball. We didn't defend the second ball. And we didn't defend the rebound. I mean, what do you have to say about that? That's not tactics. That's not anything. That's not individuality. That's not a, a mistake. That's just shit. Absolutely is. Absolutely is. Um, don't worry, there's more shit to come. Elliot has a shot saved. It's basically a pass back to Henderson. Um, Carl Forrest should go 2-0 up. I think it's a 4-on-2 in this counter-attack. It's a good block by Milner, to be fair to him. But Yeah, um, let's talk about that chance. And obviously we bring on Trent and Henderson just after that chance as well. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I mean, it's more of the same, isn't it? It's it's not anything new or different that they've done in these passages of play. It's the same us not having pressure on the ball. It's the same us being really, really slow when we've got possession. There's not enough covering in the spaces. We have too many times we've got like one of the fullbacks and one of the central midfielders and all of the four who think they're forwards but they're not are all ahead of the ball, all of them. And so we keep getting caught three on three and three on four and trying to get another one back four on four. We don't have a recovery pace to do this at the minute. But even Robertson is not like at full tilt at the minute, obviously. He's been out injured. He's still coming back. We don't have the players to be playing like this, especially if we're not playing well in the final third. All you're doing when we've got people ahead of the ball as we are at the minute is standing there. There's not like people are interchanging positions. We've not got like... Salah or Firmino dropping into midfield and someone running behind and the wingers coming in field to play a sort of mm. 9-10 area. It's not. They're just stood there. They're waiting. And that's why we keep recycling all the way across, both centre-mids, both centre-backs, one full-back, and then all the way back across them again. The, the 4-4-2 needs somebody who's not Salah that has real pace and can stretch a defence. It works with Diaz. It works with Jota. It's not going to work with Harvey, who's got a real pace issue. Carvalho, who's not the quickest. He's, he's not slow, but he's not the quickest. He's not a straight-line sprinter, though. And Bobby, who at times moves like he's got concrete in his feet. We're, like, we're watching that game today, and Forrest's game plan is very, very simple. We're going to sit back. We're going to invite you on. We're going to slow you down as you build up. And then we're going to look to counter you. So their back four drops or back four drops back into their own penalty area. And our forward lads are like, oh, sure, we must be standing up here. So we no, we couldn't stand back there. The defenders are up here. So we better go stand up here. I know, don't mind that space. Just go and stand on the man. Everything we did 
it was like everybody was already in a set position as if it was some sort of walkthrough. Like, I'm going to give it to you, and then I'm going over there. And the defenders are just like, all right, he's going to give it to him, and he's going over there. So if he gives it to him, I'm just going to go and stand there and cut that pass off because there's no movement here at all. And then they play it anyway. Yeah, that's exactly it. The same ball. This is the problem. It's like it's both of them. It's the movement and then the delivery of the ball. Like, yeah, nobody moved, and then nobody did anything different anyway. Yeah. And then it's the yeah. trying to get really clever thing. Like in the first half, there was a ball Harvey played to Bobby and went for the return, and Bobby played it around the corner, and Harvey got it back. Nico managed to get a tackle in. A couple of minutes later, Harvey gets the ball, gives it to Bobby. Goes to make the same run. Nico, not being a moron, thinks, I've seen this. I know where they're going with this. And just gets back in front of him. And rather than, you know, take a touch, have a look for another option, Bobby's like, well, I'm, I'm playing it there, but he's in the way. So I'm going to try and lift it over his head. And he, like, hits Nico in the chest with the ball. And you're like, what are you doing? There's other players. You put your Bobby Firmino. Put your foot in the ball. Have a look. See where else you might be able to find a pass in this game. The whole thing, it was it was almost like Klopp typed out minute by minute what he wanted the team to do and then sent it to Steve Cooper by mistake. Maybe he's still like, on the mailing list at Anfield. Who, or <laughs> I think we have to rescind like Bobby's that. Bobby card. I think he has to go back to being Rob Fleming. Yeah, he's Robert it now. He's yeah, Robert Rob, Rob, Rob Fleming, there we go. Sorry, Kyle. You today, today, uh, I was just going to say today was like everyone was on a training session, like a recovery session the day after a hard match. Like this was training after the Man City match today. So nobody was quite doing anything. I was wondering this. So in Nottingham, I went to Nottingham years back for a game and for a gig. And there is an outstanding uh, paintball centre called, I think it's, the jungle or something like that in Nottingham. And I was wondering, like, because when we went, we were absolutely shattered afterwards. And I was wondering, like, did the lads go at nine o'clock this morning and play paintball or something? So I don't know what else there is to do in Nottingham. Um, there's not, like not a, play a, football. So there's an industrial museum, but I mean, that's not going to tire you out. I, they just, they look like they were knackered from minute one. And I get that, you know, they played City, they played West Ham in the week. It's not like, the West Ham performance was good, though. Not like they exerted a whole lot of energy other than shitting themselves in the last five minutes of the game. But what gets me here is last weekend against City, we stumbled across a blueprint for how this team needs to play now while they're in this sort of funk as they have been all season. And we'd obviously seen it hinted at in the Rangers games. But in that City game, that decision to just hold a defensive line and try and build in different ways and, you know, be a little bit more direct, that was what was working for us. Having Mo dropping off into midfield and leaving one up top or having Bobby drop into midfield, leaving one up top. And today, neither of them dropped anywhere. They just stood up against the two centre-backs. Like, Steve Cook never had to look once to see where Bobby was or where Mo was because they're just right in front of him. He could have given them a hug for 90 minutes and it wouldn't have made any difference. 
why, like, I know what you said on Scouted Carly, you know, you can't do that against every team because when teams park the bus, it makes it a bit harder. But at the end of the day, if we'd just done it today, we'd at least have a point. And a point to be better than that. Like, there's just, you take, there's nothing positive other than the continued brilliance of Alison Becker. There's nothing positive we can take from that game at all. Like, that is just an absolutely awful, awful showing from a team that is so much better than what we're seeing from them, that's capable of so much more. And there's a lot of blame to go around. The players have to take it. The manager has to take it. The coaching staff. I mean, what the are ownership. we sending these lads out? The ownership, of course, without question. But from a game-to-game basis, the owners don't pick the team. The owners aren't on the training ground. The owners aren't the one giving tactical instruction. The owners aren't the one in the dressing room beforehand or at halftime trying to get these players motivated. Mm. If there's an issue, if there's been some sort of falling out, if there's a feeling among the coaching staff that certain players aren't giving the role, because there's absolutely a feeling like that among the, the fan base, that certain players are not giving the role, it's time to make some really difficult decisions. And I'm not talking about like uh, long-term decisions. I'm talking about in the here and now, short-term decisions. And put lads sitting in the fucking stand. Mm. Not on the bench. On the flip side of that, I mean, everyone uses the Alex Ferguson thing, but I know people bang on about Pep Linders because of the book and all that, and it's kind of funny, but could the message just stop working? Like, Obviously, I don't think anyone's saying clop out, and you should be laughed at if you say that, but Fergie lasted so long because he refreshed everything every couple cycles of teams. Is that an argument as well? Yeah, but Ferguson didn't just... Like, it wasn't just the teams he recycled. Ferguson was a a hands-off type of manager. Yeah. He had great assistance his whole tenure. And when he felt they were getting stale or that they peaked and it was only going to go downhill from there... He changed them as well. He went through Brian Kidd, Carlos Quiros, Steve McLaren, uh, Rennie Muhlenstein, Carlos Quiros again. Whenever he felt that the voice on the training ground was no longer getting through, he moved them on. He changed it up. And he went and got the best person available to come in and make things tick again. And when he felt like the players, like, there's a difference between the players not taking on the information and the information not getting across. So if the information is not getting across, that's where Ferguson would change the assistant manager or the head coach or whoever, the first team coach. They'd be gone. Someone else would come in. When the players weren't taking it on, that's when Ferguson would appear on the training ground and the players knew they were in the shit. And he wasn't coming down to give them the same tactical information. He was coming down to make them run. And they were going to run and run and run until they fucking begged for that tactical information. And maybe, well, we know Jürgen's not ruthless. We know that's not Mm -hmm. his his bag. We know he's all about, you know, building that bond and the unity and whatever else. But maybe he just needs to needs to reach into the bag. He could be fucking ruthless with, with Mamadou Sacco because he pricked around on a preseason tour. And yet, uh, for all the issues with Sacco, 
he, he never fucking half hours things like this shit. Like, this is not just about bad performances. This is about bad effort or lack thereof, lack of effort. There are players in that team not putting in an acceptable level of effort. Mm. And that, to me, is the biggest concern. Because the one thing you would put to this team over the run from, I would say, the beginning of the 16-17 season, when Klopp had had his first preseason and brought in in his first couple of players, Ginny, Matip and Sadio, the one thing you would always credit credit this team with, no matter... Who was on the pitch, no matter the individual levels, you'd never look at it and say, that fella's not trying, and that fella's not trying, and that fella's not trying. Every fucking one of them ran themselves into the ground. Every one of them. Year after year after year. And maybe that's why we're seeing it now. Maybe they just well too many times. Yeah, maybe they just can't anymore. But it is that's the biggest concern for me. I can live with bad results, but lack of effort is is just unacceptable and like we said like i said maybe it's because these some of these players have nothing left to give maybe they've given everything they can to Klopp, and like we must remember that jürgen has been at liverpool seven years now which is an unusually long period of time for an elite manager to be at one club in the modern game you're only looking at simeone who's an elite manager who's been at the same club for longer at this point. And facing similar issues. And he's facing exactly the same issues. Exactly the same issues. So maybe Jürgen just needs a complete refresh. And maybe starting in January, certain players that we're not expecting need to be either moved out of the club or moved into different roles where they're a squad player and nothing more, but a, a big refresh is absolutely going to be needed one way or another, either on the coaching staff with Jürgen changing those around him or on the pitch, because something is not right. Yeah. Obviously we don't tend to touch on the FSG topic and all that jazz, but Carl, Carl do you have faith that we do something in January like that? Cause I know it came out the other week about, um, He'll be backed, and the other day I should say, not over a week, um, that he'll be backed and stuff like that. But maybe it's just me being a negative prick or whatever, or maybe just the track record of what we do. But I don't expect us to go big in January. I think we're still saving for Jude Bellingham, or I don't think he'll come here in a million years, million years, especially if we're playing Thursday night fucking Europa shite. Well, I mean, unless a load of teams decide they don't want to play in that, we're not going to get into the Europa Conference League anyway in 10th position, are we? So there's a lot got to change before we have to worry about... I'd snap your hand off for eight, Carl. Well, yeah. Um, to be honest, my concern is less over will we spend rather than um, is our decision-making process going to be better than A, it was over summer, clearly, and B, it was last January. Because last January, I'd rather not buy anybody than do what we did last year again. Was it last year now? No, the year before. Two that, years, Kabak and yeah, yeah. David. Yeah, two years. Yeah, so I'd rather not do anything at all than do that again. It's a waste of everybody's time and effort and money. Obviously, uh, we should, at this point, already know, and every team should. To be honest, it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. Fine, and you have to make last-minute decisions. But basically, you should already know at this point what you think you might be wanting to do in January and have a list of people who might be available. And that'll change over the course of two months because of injuries or people get back into the team when they weren't before or whatever it is but we should basically already know 
And so we should know now that if we've changed this formation and we're going to carry on playing this way, well, here in this position is where we've got a little bit of a, uh, a depth issue now because we've had to reshuffle players around in different areas of the pitch or whatever it is. So my my concern, if you like, is much more on that side of thing than will we spend only four million pounds or forty million pounds. I don't mm. really think that for Liverpool it should matter if there's someone you should want and you're going to want them for four mm. and a half years. Well, you're not going to want them for only four years, so you don't want them in January, you know. So uh, I think it should be fine. I think it's you know not a, not an issue. You look at obviously Diaz we brought in last year, didn't we? So in January, it's not. I don't think a matter of we won't because it's January. I think it's just about having the right deal and the right um, planning in place already. But it has to be a lot better than it was two years ago. Well, with the World Cup break, there's absolutely no excuse not to have deals in place on the 1st of January if there are players available. Because you have that six-week window to negotiate with the opposition club. There's going to be a lot of deals that take place over that, that window. Because an awful lot of clubs are in the in the mire with injuries now as well. There'll be clubs that need to sell to balance their books. There'll be clubs that need to buy because they want to push on or they get a new manager in. We're seeing a lot of managerial changes in the league or whatever. There's going to be movement in January. And as soon as this World Cup break starts, Julian Ward needs to be on the phone. And you're right. I mean, you're not you don't start scouting reactively. You scout proactively. And the players we want for this January should pretty much already be locked in. We should know now who we want. We should have known three months ago. Like, you should always be scouting a window or two ahead to plan. Mm. I was going to say, we should be thinking about the summer in two years' time. Exactly. That's the thing. And it's not just a matter of, oh, well, you know, we were going to buy a midfielder, but, you know, we need a centre-back now instead. You should have five, six players for every single position, both potential starters and potential squad players. Like, there's an enormous recruitment department at Liverpool and a team of analysts who are paid heavy amounts of money to do this job. I spoke about eight months ago to somebody who was formerly uh, head of recruitment for a Premier League club and at a much smaller scale than what we do, he told me that they scouted two windows ahead and that they always had a list of five for every single position. So if their backup goalkeeper got hurt, they had a list of five backup goalkeepers that would suit how they played, would be within their wage budget, would be an affordable target that ticked the different boxes for them and that they could go and get. If it was the starting striker, they had a list of five potential starting strikers that worked age-wise, budget-wise, stylistically, could play in a multitude of positions, whatever the need was. How... Like we surely to God, a club like ours with the budget we put into the, this stuff should be even better prepared than that club who live in the bottom half of the league and who survive by buying cheap, developing, selling, and reinvesting that money. Nah, our midfield list is one of one. It's Bellingham. That's <laughs> it. Uh, fucking hell. Anyway, I'm sure you will cover that. If you get a break in the World Cup, because you'll be obviously doing daily stuff there, um, but that might be an interesting pod um, for what we need to address in the four four two if we're sticking to that, etc. But we'll finish up the game. Um, Jones has a shit shot straight at the goalkeeper. Um, Ox comes on for Bobby. It was a weird sub for me. I don't care how shit Bobby was playing. 
uh, God. He, he's still the one who made Nabba goal out of the team there. Um, Van Dyke was injured. Um, he got fouled and then Brennan Johnson hurt his head or something. Who cares? He was fine. Trent has a header saved. Allison big save. He's been the only bright light for most of the season, let's be fair. Um, that was a great save. It the was. From Ryan Yates, that's a great yeah, save. Yeah. Um, my note here is Van Dyke could have had a hat trick. Um, Trent, nice pass. I, why wasn't Trent playing? I know it, I know he had an impact injury, but it's not a fatigue issue. Why wasn't he playing? I don't understand. Um, Van Dyke misses another one. Um, Allison goes up for a corner twice. Uh, Forrest miss an open goal, and Salah has a shit header as well. So that's basically the end of the game. Any. Anything to add between you um, for that last 20 minutes of basically panicky pump-it-forward football? If we're relying on Alisson going through uh, up front and set-pieces and everything else in the last few minutes of the game, we should have been bringing that Phillips on. We had two subs left. If that's what we're resorting to in the last few minutes of the game, and that's all we've got going for us, you might as well. Yeah, Rob off because he wasn't taking any corners at that time. Big man up top. But Adrian up top. Okay. Why not? Seeing as we have two goalkeepers on the bench every week. Yeah, put one of them in goal and put Alisson up front. Exactly. Might as well. Might as well. Um, anything to add, Dave? Um, on the the Van Dyke one that the keeper makes the save from and then Alisson gets penalised for fouling Ryan Yates. Um, Ryan Yates was attempting to take off Alisson's jersey. Yes, yes he was. And th- that possibly should have been reviewed. Now, it would have been an undeserved penalty, and an undeserved draw. Probably would have missed the way we were playing. More than likely. Mowbray just would have walked up and rolled it at the goalkeeper. Um, but, you know, you'd like to see a little bit of consistency with some of these things. It's a, it's a very blatant foul, and I don't care if it happens at every set piece. It shouldn't. It's against the rules. It's literally in the rule book. You're not allowed to undress your opponents during the game. Um, if that happened anywhere else in the pitch, it would be a free, it would be a free kick. So it happened in the box. It probably should have been a penalty. But like I said, we didn't deserve anything from the game. We were just desperate. We were absolutely desperate from start to finish. And I'm just glad it's over. And now we go to Ajax. And Season we need a saving pen- uh, game against Ajax. Literally. Literally, like our whole season hinges now on these next two Champions League games. Because if we don't go through, we're fucked. We are fucked because we we might not make the Champions League, uh, the the Premier League, based on how we're playing. Mm. Um, we've got Leeds next in the league at home. It's it's a game under the lights, so maybe the players will get excited and think it's a European night. Uh, then Napoli will be coming to Anfield to absolutely slap the bejesus out of us. Then we go to Tottenham. That should be fun. Yeah, that should be a whole lot of fun. Basuma, Bentoncourt and Hoysberg battering our midfield. It's going to be place. today, but worse. Oh, you, yeah, it is. Literally, they're going to play the same way. Um, then we get Derby in the cup. Who cares? And then Southampton. And then they all go off to the World Cup. And I wish them nothing but early exits based on how they're all playing at the minute. Group stage exits for every fucking one he is. Except Dallas. You minute, have the way they're playing, they're not even going to be going. Well, there's there's real arguments to be made that Fabinho, for certain, should not be in the Brazil squad. Um, 
Ali Ali's playing well. Ali Ali will go. Deserves to go. Bobby has had a good season, but his place in the Brazil squad is up in the air anyway. Depends if Richarlison's fit, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Trent should not be in the England squad, based on form. Um, Joe Gomez shouldn't be in the England squad. Mm -hmm. Virgil will be Dutch captain, so he will go. Henderson shouldn't be in the England squad, but will go. Diaz and Jota are missing out. Like, the two lads that actually gave a shit this year, the two lads that have actually given a shit, are the two lads currently at injured, and one of them is going to miss the World Cup because of it. And that's really tough. That's really, really tough. But whatever happens, like serious, serious conversations need to be, be need to be having at the AXA training ground this week. Jurgen needs to go home and have a big old think to himself about how he is going to go about rebuilding things here, because it's going to be expensive. There is a number of things needed in this team, regardless of whether he wants to go back to 4-3-3 or stick with this 4-4-2. Liverpool needs three, four, I would say four, maybe five new players. Not all starters, of course, but for the squad, for the refreshment of the squad, they need four or five new players, probably five. And there's a good few that can be moved on, either because of age injuries or whatever it may be like Ox and Naby age-wise you'd keep them but injury-wise is no point so you move them on move on Bobby because of his age move on Milner because of his age and the fact he's not good enough though he of the outfielders he arguably was was the least shit today Um, I'd move on Matip because of age and injuries Um, yeah there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to happen there's an argument you could move Gomez on as well there's an argument for Gomez, there's an argument for Costas, there's an argument for Robbo. Has Robbo given us everything he can possibly give us? Maybe. Now, if we change and and play a little bit more reserved like we did against City, then Robbo can still absolutely play two, three more years at that kind of level. But if you're going to ask him to bomb up and down all day long, that's just not going to be feasible. Because um, once players start picking up injuries, it's just going to be a cycle of more and more. So, yeah. yeah, lots of big decisions for Jürgen to make, including over his coaching staff. Yeah. Including, and it's, it's not just Linders, but as well as that, like, I mean, we need to have some sort of deep dive into what the fuck goes on with the, the sports science team. How are we having so many injuries? No other club. No other club gets as many injuries as us. None. Yeah, yeah. It's How is that? We must train, with a, must train with a medicine ball or something. Fucking hell. Just doesn't make sense. Medicine ball and play, they play dodgeball with hammers and stuff. Yeah. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a fucking ball. Um, yeah. Um, Carl, I mean, final thoughts and any plugs. Obviously, you mentioned that Ajax game, probably our biggest game of the season so far because the Premier League's such a shit show. I, I don't really have anything else to add to this. We know what needs to be done. We know that this was completely unacceptable. Every single game that we play from this point has to be a lot better. That's that's the pure and simple truth of it. It was rubbish. And yeah, again, I've seen a couple of quotes there after the game, you know, saying that we should have scored off the set pieces and stuff. Fine, but you shouldn't be relying on them against the team bottom of the league either. So but this is the thing. Like we played Rangers at home and we played okay. We played okay against Rangers at home, but both goals came from set pieces. And on the raw afterwards, we did highlight we didn't score from an open play goal. That's a little bit worrying against a really bad team at home. 
and he's coming out with that today. We should have scored off the set pieces. Great. Great, Jurgen. We should have scored off the set pieces against the team who are one of the worst in the league at defending set pieces. But guess what? We didn't. We didn't. And you're not going to score off set pieces in every game. You need to be creating things in general play, and we're not. Like, we created minimal amounts against West Ham, minimal amounts against City. The goal against City came from a long ball from the goalkeeper. The other good chance we had came from a, a clipped ball over the top. And then the Nunes ones were breakaways because City were overcommitted. There's no, there's no creativity in that, in the City game. The West Ham game was largely the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm struggling to think of many chances that we really missed. Darwin had a couple and obviously gets the goal from a really good Costas cross, but mm-hmm. there's no creativity through the midfield at all right now. Thiago's not a creative player. He's the guy that makes everything home. He, he is a creative player. player. creative passer, mm-hmm. but he's not one that unlocks the defence. He gets other people in the position to do that. Mo's not creating. Elliot has zero assists. Zero assists for us in the mm. Premier League. I think, like, I think Mo could And create. I like Elliot. I yeah. think he's a, he's a talented player, but I mean, what are you bringing to the team right now other than you look exciting when you have the ball because yeah. when you dribble, it's a little bit like a kid doing a messy Halloween costume. Yeah. I think, I think Mo could create, and that's just the annoying thing that he has... I think everyone just realises he's the threat, so he just mark him out of the game. And obviously, he has been specifically shit as well this season. I'm not excusing that, but I can see the justification of making him a creator, but nobody else is carrying the load in terms of what else he was doing. Um, but yeah, no creativity, that needs addressing. No sustainability, because everyone's made out of Pringles. It, it's just a shit show everywhere. Um, but Dave, the Carl's just left us because he had to leave, but... Um, Plugs are, but you've done final thoughts there. Plugs and we'll get out of here. Much of Carl's gone, they might as well just open up and have a good old rant. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we've got half an hour left to try. Well, we've got 25 minutes, folks. Yeah. Get a cup of tea and settle in. Uh, no, um, look, it, it, it was just a pathetic performance. Alisson's the only player who can walk away from that with his head held high, and that's not the first time this season. Like, the other 10 outfield players were varying degrees of crap. The, the, the subs that came on, I, I mean, I, I don't really understand the, what the point was. Trent came on. He had a couple of good moments. He might have scored with a header. He played one gorgeous pass, uh, but he also looked a little bit sluggish in defence again. Henderson came on. Uh, made sure the centre-backs got plenty of touches, got his nice <laughs> sidewards passes in, so, you know, the pass complete. He, uh, he was still better than Curtis Jones, though. That's the sad He thing. was, he was, but that's not hard, considering mm. he is a midfielder and Curtis Jones is not really a midfielder, or certainly not in a, in a, in a two. Um, Ox came on, I think he was on the pitch about 10 minutes before he touched the ball. Yeah. Not really sure what position he played when he I came on. I saw him on the right once. Okay. He was right wing, he was left wing. It almost looked like he came on as a 10 and didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know why Curtis played the entire 90. Uh, that'll need to be explained to yeah, you. Yeah, I don't, I don't um, see it with him. Was that more. it? Was it just the three subs? Uh, yes, because we had yeah. no one else on the bench apart from a child who was a striker. Who They keep, they keep mentioning um, was Lee Clark's kid. And Milner oh, played, Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby Milner Clark. played with his dad. And fucking, yeah, you've told us that every year on BT. Thanks, lads. Fuck um, off. <laughs> the whole thing was just, was just a shit show. And, and yeah. every one of them needs to have a look at themselves. But Jürgen needs to as well, because at the end of the day, we've all rushed, and rightly, we've all rushed to praise him for everything good about the club in the last seven years. And he deserves every single bit of that praise. But this season, he deserves criticism because he's not having a good season himself. He has not done well this season. He is not getting the right tune out of these players. Tactically, the team has not been right for most of the games this season. His continued reliance on certain players baffles everybody. Um, And, like, again, the owners, sure, they need to invest more money in the playing staff. We all know this. But Jürgen is the one who turned down the opportunity to sign a couple of midfielders in the summer. Jürgen could have signed Matthias Nunes and decided not to. He could have signed one or two others and didn't want them because he was infatuated with Jude Bellingham and waiting for Jude Bellingham. And unless Jude Bellingham has given him his word that no matter what, he's joining Liverpool next season, then that's a mistake. And quite frankly, if we sign Jude Bellingham next summer... That's not going to be enough. We will need two other midfielders coming in with Jude, regardless of whether we're playing Mm. a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3. We need three players in midfield next summer. And three really good players, like really, really good players, like Caicedo, Mm -hmm. Enzo Fernandez-level good players. And if we're playing 4-4-2, right mid needs addressing the Right mid, yeah, then then it's right mid and two in central midfield. Yeah. That's like these are not nego- negotiable things. These are things that need to happen next summer. Somebody needs to arrive in January, and then the rest need to come in the summer. But like Jude Bellingham's going to take up most of the budget, yeah, most of the budget because he is going to cost a hundred million or whatever it's going to be. It might be a little less, but if it's a little less, like Darwin, it'll be because we're paying the whole thing in one lump sum. Yeah. And if we're doing that, it's taking away from what else we can do. Mm-hmm. Now, the money was there for a midfielder in the summer, and he he said no. He, he has admitted it, that he said that he didn't want them. He has openly admitted this. He's the one that sat in press conferences all summer and bleated on that we had enough midfielders and listed off a bunch of midfielders who aren't good enough and weren't good enough in the summer and weren't good enough last season. If our midfield had been addressed in the summer of 2021, which is when it should have been addressed, we would be the defending league and European Cup champions. That's what we would be right now. But because it wasn't, we won neither of those. And I don't care that we got close. I don't care. The only thing that matters is winning. Like, you can be one of the just fucking enjoy it lads all you want. That's you. And feel free to do you. If that makes you happy, if you're happy losing Champions League finals, if you're happy finishing runner-up, 
That's absolutely fine. But you were brought up to support a very different club than the one I was brought up to support. Because the club I was brought up to support had been managed by Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley and Kenny Dalglish. And if you told those men that we were going to celebrate losing Champions League finals, finishing second in the league, they'd have punched you in the face. Because that's not the club that those men built. Liverpool exists to win. And stop hiding behind excuses. Stop hiding behind City. Because our starting eleven last season was better than City's. But our weakest link was a much bigger weak link than their weak link. And that's why they, they won the title and we didn't. Our midfield cost us the league title last season. Our midfield cost us in Paris in the Champions League final. We were a better team than Real Madrid on the night and beforehand. But they beat us because their weakest link wasn't as weak as our weakest link. So Jürgen needs to be more vocal about needing backing. He needs to be more demanding of these owners. Do you really think if Jürgen goes to the owners and says, this is the bottom line, I need 300 million, and I'm only using that figure because it's, it's obscene. I need 300 million over the next two windows to rebuild this squad. If I don't get it, I'm leaving. Do you really think they wouldn't give it to him? I'd, honestly back, be, I'd be shocked, to be honest, Dave. They would back the Brinks truck up. If he told them that he gets what he wants or he walks, they would give him anything he wants. Guy, they spent six years trying to get this man. From the minute they took over, he was their primary target. Because when they consulted with a number of people, including Johan Cruyff, the one name that came back to them over and over and over again was Jurgen Klopp. And from when they sacked Hodgson and appointed Kenny till the end of the season, they went for Klopp. When they sacked Kenny and ended up with Rodgers, they went for Klopp. Mm-hmm. They'd have sacked Rogers in the summer. They'd have sacked Rogers after six months if they could have gotten Klopp. They'd have sacked him again in the summer of 2015 if Jurgen would have joined at that point. They were obsessed with this guy because this is the guy that everybody told them makes magic happen. This is the guy who is culturally perfect for your football club. He is without question one of the top four managers in the world. And you can rank them whatever way you want. If you want to say he's first, great. If you think he's second, that's fair. If you think he's third or fourth, that's okay. But he is in that group. They will not get another one like him. They won't. Mm. They might get someone who's a little bit better in the tactical side, who's a little bit better with in-game. But all of the other elite managers, all of them are more demanding of their ownership than he is. Look at Guardiola. Yeah. Won a league title, went and demanded a £100 million footballer and a £140 million footballer and would have gotten both if City hadn't tried to do an end-around play on Harry Kane and gotten Spurs as backup. Spurs would have sold him, only City tried to be 
do it the dirty way and go through the brother to get to Kane. If they'd just been up front about it, they'd have got Kane. That's what Pep does. Pep demands. Antonio Conte demands. Mm. Simeone demands. Doesn't always get it. <laughs> but he works at Atletico Madrid, where it's a far yeah, smaller yeah, budget yeah. than even what we have. But they are far more demanding than him. Jürgen needs to be more demanding. He needs to stop selling himself short. Because I don't think Jürgen realises how fucking good he is. I've said to you before, I think Jürgen's biggest strength is his loyalty, but it's also his biggest weakness as a manager. It's the best human strength he can have, but as a manager, he's a little bit too loyal and it's a little bit of an issue. But the other big issue with Jürgen is he just doesn't realise how good he is. Mm. But if if he were to, to, to openly start criticising the owners or suggesting that he needs more money, I guarantee it will be there. More money was there in the summer. He chose not to spend it. If he needed more than that, he could have got it. He just needs to be demanding. But if he told the owners, either you back me properly or I'm gone. Do, do you think it was a case that he must have thought, if I get Nunes now, I'm never getting Bellingham next summer? Is that the issue here? Or do you think he was just, we need Bellingham now? Is that what do you think it was? I don't know. But like they were never going to sell Bellingham. Believe me when I tell you they tried. Mm-hmm. They tried no, for June. Yeah, they tried yeah. for June. Dortmund weren't budging. But like, right now, in 2022, Matthias Nunes is a better footballer than Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham is a more talented footballer and will become a better footballer in two years, maybe three years. But for now, Nunes is the better football player. But maybe... Maybe it is what Klopp thought. Well, if I get him, I won't get him. Mm-hmm. But they could easily play together. Like, I don't understand why he would... I was, I was meaning from more a financial issue rather than a playing together issue. But, but again, yeah. that's where he needs to be more yeah, demanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's where he needs to put his foot down and say, look, if I decide to leave here, 95% of the clubs in the world and nations in the world will be ringing my agent to see if there's any chance I'd consider the job. Every one of them. Like, if you look at the Premier League top to bottom, take out City and Chelsea. Sorry, City and Spurs. And maybe even Spurs. Take Mm. out City with Pep. Every other club would give serious contemplation to sacking their manager if they could get Jurgen Klopp. Including Chelsea, who've just appointed Graham Potter. Every one of them would back the truck up for him with the biggest bag of money you've ever seen. And they would say to him, we will give you whatever the fuck you want. You come to us and work your magic. We'll give you whatever you want. United would do it. Arsenal would do it. Everyone mm-hmm. else. Newcastle. He can oh, all God, the, yeah. he'd get, they give him shares in the oil in Saudi Arabia. The same at Real Madrid, the same at Barcelona. Atleti might might not because of the relationship with Simeone, but the big two would. Bayern would. Dortmund mm-hmm. would. All the big clubs in Italy would. Bayern have tried every time. They've sacked yeah. the manager, haven't they? PSG would try. And then Bayern have Nagelsmann, who's very highly regarded. But they'd been him in the morning to get Klopp. Every club bar City is having a serious conversation. A very serious conversation. 
City and Atleti, because again, the, the relationship thing. But I even think Spurs would be having that conversation. Like, Conte, short term, and yeah. he's always a bit of a pain in the mm-hmm. hole. Like, should we go for Jurgen? All the big national teams would do it. All of them. Maybe not Germany because they've got Hansi Flick, but everyone else would be having that conversation. You think England would look at Gareth Southgate and go, oh, no, we're okay. Why would we want Jurgen like we've got Gareth Southgate? No. Everyone. And Liverpool's owners, no, there's no there's no mechanism to get them out of the club. There just isn't. There's no way as fans we can force them out of the club. But what we can do is we can damage their profit margins quite seriously. And I genuinely believe that if Jürgen left because of them and it became public that the reason he left was because they weren't backing him, I think you would see Anfield empty. Empty. Yeah. And that's where it will hurt them. It I mean, you certainly the see box. the season ticket, lads, just not not even yeah. give a mate or whatever the ticket would be. No, no. Take them and stay home. Yeah. Take them and stay home. We Look, we saw, we saw them all get up and walk out in, the, in a game. They could, they could do things like that. Get up and walk out. And watch the effect that has on the team. Not spend money in the club shop. Not spend money on concessions. Not spend money on the jerseys when they come out. And then all of a sudden, the position's largely untenable. Because if there's no fans in the stands, Sky aren't putting you on. BT and putting you on because how about that for an awkward pre-game conversation? Hi, we're here at Anfield where nobody has turned up. Why is nobody here? Well, let me tell. Sky aren't doing that, so they're not going to get the TV money that they want either. Nike could have been us off. Nike, yeah, exactly. Nike aren't going to give us however much a year it, because nobody's buying the shirts. Like that's what would happen. Jurgen Klopp. Is in a position, and I just see things. I just don't know. He he recognizes this. He is in a position where he can demand whatever he wants, and they have to do it. Like when he says, "I'm not the one that makes those decisions." You could be, you could be, if you told them tomorrow that you wanted to be president of football operations on top of manager, they would say yes. Because they went on bended knee to ask you to sign a new contract, Jurgen. And you already gave them a favour by not asking for more money. Had you asked for 20 million a season, they'd have given it to you. You're the most important person at the club. Not them. Their job is to keep you happy. Mm. Bill Shankly once said that the three most important groups of people at a football club are the players, the management team, and the fans. And that the only thing directors should do is sign the checks they're told to sign by the manager of the football club. And Jürgen needs to be a bit more ruthless with the owners as well and tell them, look, this is what it's going to cost. This is what it's going to cost. But this has to happen. Because if it doesn't happen, we're going to end up outside the top four. And then your club is worth a lot less money. Because if you're not in the European Cup and you're not getting that 100, 150 million a year from the European Cup, well, then the coffers are lighter. Then all of a sudden, your Mohamed Salahs and your Virgil van Dijk's and your Alison Beckers are saying, 
well, hang on, I don't want to be here for not playing in the top competition because, you know, I'm a top player. I want to go and play in those competitions. You're not going to get the next version of them because you're not in those competitions. And all of a sudden, you find yourself doing an Arsenal. Wenger's biggest issue at Arsenal was that he wasn't ruthless enough and he wasn't demanding enough. Well, when I did Money Talks with Mo, and he said that's the only reason they've got all this money now. It's cash reserves because Wenger didn't spend. That, that's yeah. why they have money. Yeah. that and, and they've taken some loans. Yeah. But they've been able to take loans against the cash reserves. So, But Wenger, like, think of it now. There's a whole generation of Arsenal fans that think Arsene Wenger was just some fella that got them fourth and won a few FA Cups. There's a whole generation that think that. They don't understand what Arsene Wenger did for that club in his first 10 years there. Second 10 years, yeah, he got them fourth and won Cups. But in the first 10 years there, he put together one of the great 10-year runs that any manager's ever had anywhere. If you look at the league titles, the Cups, the way he built the team, helped them build a new stadium, helped them build a training ground, all while largely making a net profit. And change football forever. And cha- literally, like he, no one ever made a bigger impact on English football than Arsene Wenger in terms of recruitment, nutrition, training practices, style of play, all of them. But you look at the impact Jurgen has had. Think back to the Premier League in fourteen fifteen. How many th- how many teams in the league then used a high pressing system? Mm. None. Really, you could look at maybe Pochettino's team, but that was about it. Now, it's commonplace. Every fucker does it. Everyone does it. Why did they do it? Because Jurgen Klopp does it. Because Klopp has made a massive input into the mindset of the managers in this league. Jurgen Klopp has had a huge impact on the game, but he's had a bigger impact on our club. And watching him stand on the sideline today looking helpless is really frustrating. Watching him make mistakes that he wouldn't normally make is really frustrating. But he just looks like a guy who's been worn down by a lot of it. Because he's never been backed properly, bar that one summer in 2018. It's the only time he's been backed properly. Fab arrived, Ali arrived, Nabi arrived. But other than that... He's doing this on a shoestring. He won a European Cup. They gave him Harvey Elliott, who was 17 or 18, and Seth Vandenberg. I actually think he was 16 at the time. Make it worse. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think Seth was 17 and he was 16. That's what what he got for winning the Champions League. Two children. Oh, but we had all these bonuses to pay. I don't care. I don't care what bonuses you had to pay. That's the biggest cop-out I've ever heard. The idea that there wasn't money to spend. He just won the European Cup. Finished second in the Premier League. There's no money? Where is the money going? Why is our wage bill the same as City's when we know that City are paying their players far more than we're paying ours? Like There's a hole somewhere that money is being bled. And it's not acceptable. Jürgen needs to be more demanding he needs to publicly demand, if need be, and 
shit needs to change starting in January. At least one, if not two players in. And come next summer, two, maybe three. Good players, not children. Not Fabio Carvalho's, not Calvin Ramsey's, not these £5 million kids who might become good in two or three years. Lads that can contribute at a major way now. Caicedo, Enzo, Michael Alise, players like that. High-end players who can come in, contribute, and develop into being even better players than they are now. It needs to happen. And he needs to be the one that leads the charge to make it happen. Because you can't sit through much more of this shit. And I'm not coming on these to ramble. And I, I said I was going to do 20 minutes after match. I think you did longer. <laughs> I think I've done longer. Um, but shit needs to change, guy. It needs yeah. to change. It really does. It really does. Um, but you'll be back probably with a similar rant uh, Monday. With the, the Daily Rage yeah, will be yeah. Monday. And um, yeah, two-footed every day. And there'll be a a raw for Ajax. So can't wait for that one. Trent might be back. So I, oh, God, it's on Discord. So excited. I there. So, excited. so excited to watch <laughs> more of these performances. I know you're going to do it on scouting, but surely we have to bring in the adults into the team as well. Like Ox. Albeit it's Ox, but you can't be rolling with Carvalho and Elliot and that. No, we won't because we'll do half an hour. Right. No, we, you cover that we, one we, out. Yeah, grown yeah. ups, grown yeah. ups need to start. Grown ups yeah. need to start games from now on. Yeah. Anywho, right. Um, if you're wondering where Trevor's is back, still hurting, I think he did say to Eddie he should be back this week. Maybe not the Ajax one, but I'll be there and either in the foreground of or background recording. But I think he said he should definitely be back for Molby uh, on the spot. But hopefully Trev's back then, because then I don't have to do this shit. <laughs> um, but thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for Dave and uh, Carl who left us an hour ago. Uh, goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.